as we sort of have more individuals from all different places and spaces able to create or be a part of that uh, visual historian dialogue, um, you're able to see more and more how artists are stretching what a portrait is. You know, you're able to see, you know, all these different sort of mediums and formats come to the forefront, even if it's wheat pasting. Welcome. I'm Doug Casina. I'm an artist, a gallerist, a curator, and a collector. And this is Artbound, where we deconstruct the myths and misconceptions of the art world. We have the conversations here with artists that aren't going to be found anywhere else. In this episode, we're diving into the concept of portraiture and why it is such a powerful art form. I have two really amazing guests to help me kind of dive deeper into this subject matter. First, uh, joining us from his studio in Denver, Colorado, is Thomas Detour Evans. Hi, Thomas. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and from his studio in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is David Casson. David, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks. It's an honor. Well, and before we really dive into this, I want to give our listeners a little bit of background why I thought you guys were both so amazing for this conversation. First, Thomas is a a street artist, a muralist, and there's a lot of pop culture references in his work as well. Um, He is really well known for his Art Tips Tuesday. So check out his Instagram and be sure to, to follow that. And he just came out with a book recently called Be the Artist. Um, which I had the pleasure of doing a small interview for. Um, David uh, just finished a really interesting body of work, and I think he's still kind of exploring this called Facing Survival, and it's portraits of survivors of the Holocaust. Um, He's worked with Steven Spielberg's SOA Foundation, uh, which has kind of been documenting this as well. Um, The exhibition was opened uh, right before the pandemic at a museum in California and uh, was featured in the LA Times. David's work, uh, you know, kind of is more on the traditional side where he has a BFA and then went into the Art Students League of New York and kind of that atelier type of training for his practice. Um, So it's really exciting to me because we have two artists who are looking at the same subject matter and looking at capturing people, but doing it in very different ways. One is a lot more intimate in nature and one is more public as far as kind of the mural versus the, the intimate portraiture. So we're talking about where portraiture has progressed. So once upon a time, we didn't have cameras in our pockets 24 hours a day. And the role of the portraiture, I think, has really changed from what it was a thousand years ago. Um, You know, I think it's really changed in even the last 20 years since kind of the onset of, you know, our selfie obsessed Instagram culture. Um, Thomas, what uh, kind of has become that definition for you of what portraiture is nowadays? Oh, man. I mean, that's, that's a very big question. Um, but I, w- I mean, for me, it's more that intimate moment between the artist and the, the subject matter or whoever's sort of being captured. Um, it's sort of the artist's perspective and sort of what they see through their lens of that individual sort of trying to capture their their identity 
their emotions, their sort of likeness as well, but, you know, more about, you know, who the essence of that individual, who, who are they? And, you know, especially today, like, because we're not limited in terms of the mediums that we're using, the sort of uh, the where we display our work, our portraits, uh, where we sort of um, can can do our creating and art making, you know, it sort of opens up so much when it comes to what that even looks like. Um, so for me, like the, 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 the base definition or just like the, the base essence of like what for me, what a portraiture would be was just be sort of like that idea of how do I capture uh, the presence of someone? How do I capture their essence? How do I sort of capture what they're all about? And it doesn't even have to be, you know, uh, sort of based on what they look like at all, too. So for me, it's sort of that definition has sort of opened up and is always morphing as people and uh, artists sort of stretch and challenge what that sort of looks like. Um, because we have so much technology and just so many different ways of uh, conveying what we think an individual is and what their presence is to us and through our lens. So for me, you know, it, it's it's hard to sort of define. It's hard to sort of nail down because when you nail it down, it sort of just keeps moving around as we sort of just keep exploring. Uh, but it really is for me, it's, it's that intersection of the artist and what what individual do they want to capture and how do they sort of want to display uh, that individual's presence? You know, there's an essence of storytelling, I think, in both of your the approaches to portraiture. And Thomas, as a muralist, I think a lot of yours is really out there in these bigger, larger than life uh you know, uh, portraits of your subject matter. And, and David, yours are a little more intimate, but still at kind of that life scale. Um, well, how do you define portraiture and what does that, what does that look like in your studio practice? Well, I think it's, I think definitely very similar to, to what Thomas was talking about. Almost in a broad scope, we think about, so I think about painting and I think it's funny, I'm a painter, but I have portraits in my paintings. You know what I mean? So I'm just not focused on doing uh, a commissioned portrait of somebody that comes to me with uh, a photograph that they want painted or they want all their, their books behind them or anything like that. That's very traditional. Um, I think that was kind of the past. The very beginning of portraiture was this way of uh, kind of remembering people that were aristocracy or that could afford to have a portrait painted of themselves, which was pretty expensive, kind of to lock them in kind of this, uh, the history of something because painting, as we all know, is kind of something that's very, um, very substantial. It's very lasting. It's very concrete in a way. It's very heavy. It has kind of a lasting effort, especially with today being everything's like you're saying selfies and everything's so deletable. Everything's digital content. Having something that's actually painted, it's something that's cared for a little bit more. And I think that's just going to continue to grow especially with NFTs and all the stuff that's happening with uh, digital tokens that are being created out of art. We could talk about that a lot later, but the idea of um, <laughs> collective memory and really preserving memory. And I feel like portraiture has now turned into kind of social documentary in a way where the people I want to paint aren't aristocracy. People don't know who they are, but they're stories that I want to tell about that person and what they've been through. And so they have really important stories and, and lives that they've been through, the people that I paint. Most are, are Holocaust survivors or people that I find really interesting. And um, 
I want to preserve that story and that testimony within the paintings, you know, and it's the same, same as, uh, as Thomas's work, you know, you're, you're preserving the, these people that have these stories to tell, you know, and I think that what we do is social documentary, you know, we're painting what's going on today in today's culture, as opposed to only painting, uh, the very 1% of people that can afford a painting, you know, something being kind of lasting and can be commissioned. Yeah, I think I think you definitely see that more today because more individuals are able to, you know, afford to be artists and they don't have to, you know, be the sort of uh, MFA graduate that went through a ton of different schools and residencies. It's like you can have the the accountant after work create uh, social documentary through through their art and have it sort of displayed on you know their different channels and platforms and in their community so you start to see more like uh david said like this democratization of you know being able to be represented and have your story story being told in the public eye um so I see that more and more today, which makes me happy because as we sort of have more individuals from all different places and spaces able to create or be a part of that uh, visual historian dialogue, um, you're able to see more and more how artists are stretching what portrait is, what a portrait is, how we tell that story through portraiture, how we tell it through art making creating, you know, you're able to see, you know, all these different sort of mediums and formats come to the forefront, even if it's wheat pasting. Um, So as more artists are able to be able to just create without having to, you know, have that sort of uh, seal of approval, you're going to start seeing how the community stretches the idea of what a portrait is. Um, And and I also want to just say, um, I think it's it was like 2011 or 2012. I think 2011. I got your DVD, David. It was uh, it was how to paint. It was like I found you. I don't know where I found you at, but I loved your work and I, I bought the DVD. And that's when I really started getting into oil painting and and sort of acrylics, uh, but more oils first. But you know that that's really where I sort of uh, get more serious about you know, being able to, to, to document, you know, people's stories is through, through David. So yeah, thank you for that, man. Well, and I think it's funny, Thomas, cause I was talking with David right before this and he was looking at your book. He's like, I need to get his book. So here he is, here you are five, six years later and he's, he's going to be ordering your book. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. Like how every, like I said, everything comes full circle, but like, that's like, Cause I started out doing airbrush t-shirts when I was living in Germany and nice. did that for the longest time at, uh, cause my dad's military. So we were on Ramstein air force base and that's where I sort of picked up airbrushing. I was always like an artist. And then, you know, people wanted, this is like when eBay first came out. So everyone wanted t-shirts. So I was doing like a ton of SpongeBob and all these other characters, but also, you know, you know, the occasional Tupac. So like that got me into doing more portraiture stuff. And then people wanted, you know, their mom or themselves or whatever. So I started doing that and that just like took off and like, it was almost a good, I'd say eight years of that 
uh, just like airbrushing. And then once I moved to Colorado, that's when I got into more canvas work. And once I get the, um, started learning from online and you, it's kind of like that's when I started doing more uh, just like more traditional work and just like trying to learn how to get outside of just the the airbrush, but more brush work and using stretching my own canvas, like how to make canvas, all that stuff. Because like I think um, in the intro, um, Doug sort of mentioned I went to school for business. So also I never really got that traditional training. But once I started like learning more on YouTube and from all these different DVDs, and that's where sort of like I started getting into more of the, the fine art sort of realm and thinking about, you know, what portraiture really is. And, you know, that, that was kind of like my sort of beginnings when it came to just learning. That's like when I was really opening up as an artist and just in general. So, yeah, but yeah, I got your DVD. So thank you. For that <laughs> well, I'm glad that, uh, oh, I'm, I'm just glad that it, I'm glad it wasn't like super dogmatic, everything I said in there. Um, that you were able to use it kind of just as a, as a launching point, you know what I mean? As a diving board to see what you're doing now is incredible, you know? So I think that that's, that's something I always try to teach is, um, you know, like I do things a certain way and some people want to know exactly what I use. Like you're saying, scouring the paints yeah. and whatever, cause you never know what the magic bullet is going to be for you in your temperament as an artist. That's going to make you kind of break through barriers. You know what I mean? As you're learning. And so I love that. Uh, I always say that, you know, you can use what you're comfortable with. And if I just say like a nugget or something that you can add as an ingredient to you as an artist, then that's awesome. You know, so, that, oh, dude, I'm hugely honored and I'm definitely going to be <laughs> definitely going to be buying your book, you know, especially since I got. Yeah, I, tr I tried to find it <laughs> with, the, with having an MBA. I mean, I wish I had an MBA. I feel like I have a like a, an art MBA, I guess, from doing this for 20 years, you know, and trying to survive. But uh it's pretty awesome, man. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> we talked a little bit earlier about what that role of portrait was, that once upon a time, it was a very elitist type of uh, capturing of, you know, an individual. Also, Thomas, like the mural, it's typically what somebody who's known, uh, you know, a public figure, some kind of uh, example that's more kind of community focused uh, as opposed to you know, what David was saying that like even this idea of longevity in a portraiture, you know, a mural doesn't have that longevity. It is more ephemeral in nature. So it has almost a, a dichotomy there of the very traditional portraiture that's put on a canvas that's in somebody's room that's going to last for 300 years versus a more popular imagery that's put on a wall that might last 300 days. Yeah, I, it, it's definitely something where I saw, I've seen what you were talking about, the difference in like, you know, how we approach it as street artists, but also traditional artists. For me, like when I do my mural work and do uh, just just like work in public spaces, you know, there's uh, there's this sort of intersection where I have to be where it's sort of like the work that I want to do but also the work that the community really appreciates and loves. And it's like, it's meaningful. A lot of my work sort of focuses around representation in the community. So a lot of the work that I do with the murals, it's not the famous people. It's not always, you know, good looking, uh, like, you know, when you're in that public space and with the money that's being influxed into street art with developers and, you know, corporations and brands, it's like you're getting a lot of watered down content, a lot of watered down work, a lot of watered down things. So it's really difficult sometimes to sort of 
stay on that path of really doing work that the community loves and what sort of represents, you know, what what street art and public art is all about, storytelling about what's happening and storytelling about who's in the community. You know, I did my friend and his son because, you know, I frequent his shop all the time and I see his son there after school or during the summer times. And I was like, hey, put on these boxing gloves that he had in the store. Let me take a picture of you. And then, you know, a month later, I have a 65 foot wall by 35 feet uh, of them together on, you know, in a public space in Milwaukee where everyone can see it. And that right there isn't because, you know, they're famous at all. It's because they're just, you know, my friends and they're basically great community individuals and people um, who see them on the wall. They don't recognize them, but they want to know more about that story. But they also connect with, you know, the, the, the image that I put up there with his son on his shoulder because it brings you back to the idea of, you know, being on your dad's shoulder or mom's shoulder or something, having that guardian sort of aspect. So it's, 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 a, it's a way of sort of uh, being able to showcase the community in a way where you don't have to sort of go to this destination spot where it's a gallery. It's like, it's in your face, no matter what you do, you're going to lunch, you're going to work. There is this also too, this responsibility that you have when it comes to the public and street art, when it comes to doing these portraitures, to be honest with it, because, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's in the public eye all the time. So you don't want to sort of uh, compromise uh, your integrity or the work that you're doing because the art is supposed to be for the community. It's not supposed to be uh, sort of this uh, instant or just like self-gratification sort of idea. So for me, it's been really important, uh, a huge uh, sort of uh, humbling experience being able to paint in these public spaces when it comes to communicating, okay, this is who I want to be on the wall. This is why I want them to be on the wall. You don't know them, but I want you to sort of talk about or talk about getting to know them uh, through research or just discovering who they are. And just, you know, basically it's, 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 it's a little bit different than doing some of the traditional work in, in those aspects that I sort of mentioned, but it's been super exciting just to be in that space. And I see it changing all the time because like you said as well, it's, it's temporary, right? You know, I don't know if it's going to last a year, two years, three years, five years, 10 years, because in the U.S., our architecture, the way we plan cities is so temporary where you can knock down a building just like that. You can, an owner can buy a building and replace your, your mural because they want to open up uh, a steak and shake or shake shack, <laughs> um, you know, really easy. So the community changes and sometimes it may not uh, sort of talk about what's happening now. And David, your work also has this role of, you know, kind of social commentary in it too. How do you go about picking, you know, subject matter for your portraits? Yeah, just really quick. I just wanted to say to Thomas, I love how like that idea that you're talking about really quick, just about how a mural can almost broadcast empathy to a community, you know, where it's like these little moments of, of a father and son, you know what I mean? That is almost could be a role model for a community, could be just kind of here's someone that's in that community that you're broadcasting to people on their way home from work. I love that. Uh, exactly. I love that. I want that to last longer <laughs> on the wall. It's like you're saying. <laughs> uh, well, and I love that you zeroed in on this idea of empathy, because I think that's really what we have when we're connecting with a portrait of somebody else. There's how do we connect with them? How do we feel empathetic towards them? And I think that's a lot of subtlety in the way that we kind of depict them as well. 
Yeah, no, I think I think that uh, my art in general is about humanizing people that were dehumanized. You know, um, you asked how I choose subjects. And so I've been painting members or people that have survived the Holocaust that were supposed to be killed. You know, they weren't supposed to live and they lived. You know, they they had victory uh, through their survival and their persistence. And the stories are just so um, there's a full spectrum of everybody that I meet. So some have different feelings about the Holocaust and what they went through. And so it's a full spectrum of humanity and emotions that I'm exploring through the paintings that I'm working on, which is pretty awesome because people have different uh, different takes and different coping mechanisms with how they've gotten over or still living with the horrors of what they went through. And so for me as a painter, as, a, as someone that wants to represent another human being within something that I really enjoy, and, and painting for me is it's super selfish. I mean, for me, it's uh, how can I spend my time doing something that I love in a, in a sacred space where it's quiet and meditative and I get to learn this story through this, this experience of making a painting. And for me, it's not, I'm not making a product at all. I'm making an experience for myself. And then hopefully I'm speaking outside of myself eventually that it will speak to other people and humanizing them. Um, you know, uh, in some ways to maybe fight anti-Semitism. Uh, hopefully that can be hopefully a role model for other artists that want to take on something that is, again, social documentary, documentary and uh, using portrait as a way to kind of convey that, that it's just human to human contact and in recording these memories and testimony that I find very important and um, kind of the essence of what it is I think we're both trying to do, you know, like where you have a, a big microphone, which I love doing murals. You know, I, I actually have been exploring this idea of doing mosaics where we just made a, a friend of mine in, in California just made a mosaic that he had woven in Belgium of one of my survivors. And it's 11 feet high by eight mm. feet high. And it's got texture on it, which is really beautiful. Uh, texture is so important for, I think, what we do. You know, the texture of a building that you're painting on and the texture of your brushstroke versus again these kind of things that are just shiny screens that we have with the iphone and instagram and everyone thinks i'm a photo realist and i don't think of that at all like i want to be more of a lucian freud and have texture and, and pathos in what it is i'm trying to do but choosing the subjects again is kind of um just people who i, I want to hear their stories i want to and i want to be able to eventually maybe broadcast them in a smaller uh, wavelength to one-on-one uh, -on -one communication with people uh, somehow and educate. Educate, I think, is what we're both kind of after, you know, with both of our work is we want to educate people about broader things, broader things in their community. Um, that's that's kind of how I, how I choose people in a way. It's, it's funny, like I don't choose people, they choose me. It's kind of uh, <laughs> who I meet and, and word of mouth and I hear their story and I'm like, yeah, that'd be a great painting. You know, I have I have like 10 paintings going on in the studio right now, uh, different people, different ethnicities, different experiences in life, you know, and they're all things that, again, selfishly, I want to explore and I want to have that experience of taking a year to do a painting, you know, and getting to know them, which I think is, again, totally different than what a portrait artist would do in Velasquez's time, you know, where he would be like hired by the aristocracy and the, the being under the king, King Philippe to do these paintings of his family and, and document their lives. But then he kind of went outside and he did a lot of the court gestures and the people that were around the court 
that weren't he wasn't necessarily paid to paint, you know, kind of to record that sense of life that was going on. So I think it's it's a pretty powerful uh, form of art. I believe that's I think still valid. I think we have to fight. We have to educate people to make it more valid. I feel that people can be like, well, that's just a portrait or whatever, you know, and not think about it deeper in in ways that are a little bit more educated and a little bit more um, scholarly. I I think right now, because of the way our media goes, that we are given ideas to think about. We're kind of given that thought already versus the invitation to think. And it's interesting to me how both of you guys through portraiture are talking about narratives where they're really kind of social issues. We're talking about how do we look at each other? How do we want to show up in the world? I also think there's a lot of subtlety about what kind of messaging that you're trying to adapt when you're like superimposing it onto somebody else. Because I think you have a, a slant of what that story might be. Um, what has been one of those stories that you've tried to tell that you either felt like you didn't quite meet the mark or that was it was really difficult for you to like get across that energy or that conversation or that story that that person was posing that you were so excited about yeah i mean i mean that that's like when we were trying to use someone's presence in essence and but like you're using them as a vehicle to sort of do your own thing and to be and, and to just tell your own story but you're using them to do it so i mean i see that more through sometimes when i get corporate work and i'm able and someone wants me to sort of paint sometimes and it's like i feel like i have to drag myself to to the canvas to sort of really create the most like most times when i'm able to really just sit down and like learn someone's story and um jive with someone and sort of uh learn about their background and sort of like just spend intimate time with them learning about exactly what makes them tick. That's when, you know, the, the most powerful work comes out. Um, so for me, it's mostly been sometimes I, I can't really think of a specific sort of um, example that I've had before, but usually a lot of times it's when, you know, it's those commissions that I'll, I'll get. And sometimes it's, I'm sort of disconnected with the individual and it's more sometimes where it's like I have to, I wouldn't even say compromise, it's I'm trying to get it done. Over time, as I've been growing as an artist, I've been able to get more freedom to where I'm able to sort of uh, turn down those projects or make sure that, you know, if I take on those projects, I have more involvement in terms of how I sort of capture something uh, or someone and sort of tell that story. But most times, it's like I, I think it's been more of those sort of commission corporate brand sort of project that I've sort of uh, been involved with. So I, I mean, but that's just from my perspective. I'm uh, eager to hear what David has to say. Me too. Oh um, yeah. It's funny. I, I don't think almost anything I've really done is that successful in my own head, I guess. <laughs> like, I feel like I always kind of, I, I get closer and closer with each painting, hopefully towards kind of, I'm never going to have the purity that I want in what I do. Um, Cause I think we just, we bring assumptions right up front to whoever we meet, like for the paintings I'm doing, I could read a survivor's story way in advance and, and kind of study it and understand who I'm talking to. And then I always film interviews with them, like one-on-one interviews with um, the subjects I'm painting. Cause I love the idea of hearing their voice within the paintings. 
as well. Almost like if, if Rembrandt's subjects could talk and you could hear their voice, like maybe they have a high pitched voice and you thought they'd have a deep voice or, you know what I mean? Just weird things <laughs> that, um, that I would have assumptions for. I mean, just a case in point. Um, I, I had a grant where I was going to, to, for this project where we were flying to, we, we, I was in Albuquerque. I flew to New York and met with a survivor in Jersey. The next day I was in Toronto meeting with survivors for the next few days. And then we flew to LA or sorry, we flew to London and then we went to Warsaw and Krakow and then flew home for this long trip to meet. I met probably 16 survivors on that trip and photographed them and interviewed them and filmed. Uh, very first trip though, was I drove down to Morrisburg, New Jersey to meet Ed Mossberg. And I, I met him, I took photos and, and hung out with him and his wife. And on the flight that night to Toronto, I was doing sketches of him. And I was kind of proud of the sketch where he looked very introspective. And um, he was kind of looking up in the air a little bit. And then I sent that sketch to the head of the Shoah Foundation, this guy, Stephen, Stephen Smith, who, who knows Ed really well. And Stephen's like, you know, it's great technically, you know, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like Ed. And I'm like, okay. And then he's like, Ed's a fighter. And so when I did the painting of Ed, I made him, he was holding a, a little Torah um, pendant that has a photo of his wife in it. And i made it so his hands were almost like he was a fighter. You could, he looks like a boxer in the painting, you know? So I was able to kind of change up my ideas, but if I didn't have somebody that knew him a lot better than I did, that cause I'd only met him for a few hours, I wouldn't have made a stronger piece. I feel that represented him uh, better, you know. So, I, so I'm I'm constantly fighting with myself to try to 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 lose any assumptions that I'm going to have of anybody and come at something with a bit a total blank slate, so that any ideas that I have about them, uh, I'm not imposing any of my ideas. I'm in the paintings. My handwriting is in it. But I think of a painting. Uh, there's three aspects. You know, you have your viewer, you have your subject, and you have your artist. And usually a lot of times it's the artist and the viewer and the subject kind of gets lost. So I want to extricate myself from this situation and just make it about the subject and the viewer so that there's a purity in that connection of one-to-one communication of their story. And again, kind of, I want to paint with like a kind of unbiased, uh, empathetic eye when I work so that I'm kind of thinking of that aspect versus, um, Anything that's my ego that's involved. I think uh, you very much touched on a lot of stuff that I want to hit on after the break. Um, So we're going to take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we're going to dive even deeper with David and Thomas and portraiture. David, I love how you were talking about getting out of the way of the painting and just letting the subject matter and the viewer really have that conversation. I feel like, uh, that's a tough thing for all of us as artists is knowing, you know, when to separate ourselves from our work and, you know, kind of that's where ego I think comes into the art making practice a lot as well. Um, How do you remain authentic to a portrait? Um, And I don't know if it's necessarily speaking to the authenticity of a likeness versus, you know, kind of that idea of who the person is. You know, I think there's probably a lot of expectations around this idea of portraiture to tell somebody's life story, you know, within this one image. Um, what, uh, how has that come up for you in the past? Oh, I mean, yeah, I think that 
I do think likeness is important. I think that the thing that I've run into, well, cause I'm not, I'm not a portrait commission artist at all. Thank God. Cause then, cause I do, I want to record somebody's uh, like presence in a way. And, and it doesn't, it's not a way of beautifying them in any way, shape or form. It's kind of a, in a raw documentary kind of way, which can be frightening for people when they see it. So not a lot of the subjects really like my work, which is okay. Some of them do, you know what I mean? Some of them are comfortable with themselves, but a lot of it has, uh, it's hard for, uh, like I painted my mom back in 2014 and she sees herself as 30 years old. She doesn't see herself as 72 years old when I painted her, you know? So she doesn't understand where I find really beautiful are the, her lifelines and her, her wrinkles and resting tension lines in her face. And, and that is the roadmap of everything she's been through. You know, our skin is kind of like our, uh, I don't know, our shield or whatever around the world, right? It kind of soaks up all of our life experiences as a painter that I think of it that way. And so I think that um, people don't love to see that, you know? Uh, when I paint myself, I think I, people think I look a little bit older, I guess, when I paint myself, cause I do, I still do the same thing with my own paintings. So I think that, um, coming at it with that kind of a purity though, again, of authenticity, just, I want to be as truthful in the portraits as possible. And so that does include making a likeness that I find that it's not a caricature of a person. It's actually me trying to be them, you know what I mean? And get to the crux of how their brow is or, or how this little space in here is correct. So it is a little technical. Um, the technical side though, for me is really kind of on autopilot at this point in my career, I'm still getting better, but it's not as important as the compassionate side of me trying to capture these people in a way and trying to, to do their life justice in the work. There was a self portrait that I really resonated with uh, of your work uh, that was self-portrait with food poisoning. There was oh, something yeah. that I just thought was so beautiful about that painting. Do you remember what you ate? Yeah, I don't know. It was probably <laughs> something uh, in uh, in Brooklyn, like Chinese food or something like that. Uh, there was a place in, in my neighborhood that would do uh, one half of the place was burritos and tacos and the other half was Chinese food. And I think they kind of messed it up one one time. It was it was called uh, China One, Taco King, Ta and China One, and they would just use the same kitchen. <laughs> I don't I don't think they're I don't think they're around anymore. But um, yeah, no, I did that portrait right before. Uh, yeah, that was actually when I was thirty two. I did that portrait. Yeah, that was a good piece for me. I thought uh, kind of like a breakthrough, kind of more uh, meditative kind of painting. There was a vulnerability to it that I thought was just extraordinary. Awesome. Thanks. But so, Thomas, like, how do you authentically tell somebody's story in a portrait? Well, I mean, when it comes to a lot of the subjects that I I will paint, I know them intimately in some form or fashion. Um, so it's kind of like I, I, I know their quirks. I know their personality. I know exactly what makes them tick. I know, you know, their, their backstory to some point, but I also sometimes know exactly, uh, see them in a way different than they see themselves as well. So I, I, I'm, I'm definitely surprised that a lot of people don't like their self portraits from David, but I can definitely understand like when you're being honest and sort of painting, uh, sort of what you see is like sometimes individuals don't kind of see that, 
um, side of themselves. So it's like, you know, looking in the mirror, like when you get out the get out the shower and you look in the mirror, you're like, oh, what's, what's <laughs> happened here? So, so sometimes, you know, forces can feel like that. But for me, you know, because I've been able to do or be afforded to do a lot of the people that I know, you know, it's been sort of, I wouldn't say easy, but it's been more of a fun, explorative way where it's like, I know exactly how I would want to sort of portray this individual. So I'm able to also... I wouldn't say put the execution on autopilot because a lot of times I like to I like to explore exactly how I can create on a surface a wall substrate because you know if I'm doing a canvas the canvas is you know you gesso it the way you want to but a surface on a wall in a neighborhood will always be different no, no surface is always the same so I'm exploring with different tools and techniques and of scaling up my work and putting paint down using spray paint versus latex. So, so I have more of an opportunity to expand and flex sort of like what I want to do. Um, and that's like the more selfish part of like the artist is like, I get to sort of paint the way I want to, but I also get to sort of convey it through this individual's personality and their essence. And usually it's been uh, a it's been sort of a, a joy to have individuals see themselves the way I sort of see them and see themselves on a space because a lot of times it's like, it's great when you do an individual um, portrait and they get to see themselves, but when they see themselves on something that's 50 foot wide by, you know, 30 foot tall, sometimes it gives a different impact and that sort of gives them a, uh, it, it's, it makes them see themselves more in a being celebrated uh, sort of context. So for me, you know, it's been fun because because of that, I haven't been a, I haven't sort of had to worry too much about am I sort of not capturing this individual the right way. Um, I'm still exploring um, like everyone else. I'm always trying to push the envelope when it comes to how do I capture this individual, but also be a uh, stay to stay being authentic and sort of making sure that, you know, I'm not just, you know, doing the artistic masturbation. It's, you know, capturing someone in the community that I really appreciate, but doing it in a way where I get to enjoy, you know, the 12 hour labor, some days that I have to stand on a ladder and actually paint this individual in, you know, a hundred degree weather. So there, there is something a little bit different to it, but it also, you know, it's, it's one and the same when it comes to traditional work as well. Do you have a preference when you're getting the reference for the person? You know, it sounds like, you know, uh, for the majority of the portraits that you guys both paint, you've had some kind of personal interaction with the people. Um, do you guys have preferences of working from photographs or working from, you know, live models or how do you get that energy from your subject matter? I used to work only from life when I was, uh, at the art students league for about, it was like five or six years. It was kind of a blur, but it was, it would really trained me how to use photography in a way that could be a little bit more lifelike. Um, but I think that having a live model all the time is really, really hard. You know, to have them sit for you for the amount of time that you would want to either learn or if you don't have a school near you. So I think that taking really good photography and learning how to take great photography to be able to manipulate, to make paintings, I think is something that everyone can do. 
that I think is really important that um, to be able to learn from that, maybe take some workshops where you work from life. So you understand the aspects of working from life and then bringing that kind of experience to using photography, I think is something that uh, any artist can add to their practice to, to make it a little bit stronger. Uh, yeah. So I, th I think the convenience, unfortunately, and the people I'm painting are in their 80s and 90s right now for the series I'm currently working on. It's tough to have them sit. I've done sketches of some some survivors as they talk, which is for me only as a conduit, just the drawing doesn't even matter again. It's for people to listen to their story. So I have artists that come out that have nothing to do with or haven't had Holocaust education come out and listen to a Holocaust survivor speak and tell their story because they're interested in how I draw. But the drawing again will usually ends up pretty crappy because I'm not really, I'm not focusing on the drawing. I'm focused more on hearing what it is they're saying. So um, that's only, that's unfortunately, that's the only amount of time that I've been able to spend with survivors as much. Uh, some survivors lived in Albuquerque that I would get to know more so, but um, yeah. Yeah, for like for me, it's been more so taking my own photos uh, because that's uh, the opportunity when I get to invite individuals into my space and to my studio and have sometimes like a four hour conversation. Um, the last mural that I did um, was of someone that I met, uh, Nang Vu, Vu Sandoval, a Vietnamese refugee, and I didn't know of her before, but I, someone mentioned her name to me, said, hey, you should talk to this individual. And I invited her to my studio. So, uh, her, so her family came to my studio and we had like a good four or five hour conversation just talking. She didn't know what to expect. I was like, I want, I may want to paint you, but I want to meet you first. So it was like a weird, a weird message. So, so she came through with the family and we got to talking, learned about her life story and her personality and you know, she was just super amazing. And then, you know, I just broke out my, 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 uh, my phone and we just had like a, a sort of like a on the spot photo shoot. And from there, it's like, I'm getting, being able to get a ton of different angles and she's able to do the poses that she wants to do. And I'm able to just w walk around and just like photograph and her family's, you know, cheering her on and everything. So it was like a great sort of moment, um, that was happening. And usually that's how a lot of, of how I guess my murals kind of start. It's like just bringing someone into the studio space and just hanging out with them. But it's a fun sort of way of just making sure I have a ton of different references that, you know, I, I not only like, but they like as well um, because, you know, they were able to sort of direct themselves in, in that shoot as well. Uh, but a lot of times it's, it's uh, getting it for sort of the subject. But then after that, you know, everything else is like, it's, it's, it's improv, the background, what I add to it, how I sort of dissect the photo, because, you know, I may take a photo, but I may only use half of the face for it. I may only use a portion of the background, uh, where it's kind of like, now I'm able to explore um, how I want to execute this mural to be different and stand out in that public space. Portraiture kind of reminds us of our shared humanity. And I feel like, you know, I've always had this theory in some way or another, like, uh, and this is going to get like totally spiritual and woo woo because I think art is completely magic. And I feel like the subject matters that we 
end up kind of gravitating to or some place that we feel that kind of spiritual connection. Like I see that with landscape artists. I think like they have that, you know, when they're out in the land and in the, you know, in the mountains or wherever they're connecting, it's some kind of like connection with God or spirit or, or universe or whatever you want to call it. Do you guys feel that that's where I've always wanted to ask a couple portrait artists this, is that where you kind of feel that connection is when you look at other people? You know, is that why you paint people is because you have that connection through others? I don't I don't think that there's a name you can put on it. You know, I mean, I think it is kind of uh, like an ingrained kind of motive or like thing that you see people all the time. I mean, I, when I lived in Brooklyn, I would draw people on the subway that I thought were interesting. Like, I don't know why I was doing it, you know, or or it is this idea, I guess, to kind of understand. For me, I, I wanted to be a sociologist. And uh, that was really interesting for me. I used to love natural history museums and learning about other cultures and history and all that stuff. And, and you have that with so many different types of people that you would see on the subway in Brooklyn, you know? And so I guess it was kind of my way of, of doing that in a weird voyeuristic kind of way as to, again, experiencing something and, and through doing a drawing of trying to understand another human being, you know? So I don't know if you could call it kind of a spiritual kind of thing. You know, that really is the question is, you know, why people? Thomas? I mean, it for me, it's like curiosity. I mean, I think when David was talking about sitting on the subway and just like painting people he thought was interesting or um, just connecting with people he thought was interesting. I mean, I think artists are just naturally curious and then, our medium that we love to do is, is portraiture, um, in a way. And like I said, like at the beginning, like I said, it's like, sometimes that doesn't just mean like put, putting paint to a brush. It could be, you know, doing wheat pasting port or portrait photography, um, digital work, things like that. But I think it's just that curiosity that we have, uh, for me is like this almost, I guess the spiritual part of just learning about someone else's, background and history because then for me it's like I start to relate to it by understanding how big this world is and how minuscule sometimes you know we are and because we sort of sometimes live in our own bubble uh, so for me learning about other individuals you know helps me sort of uh, figure out what life is about and sort of figure out you know where am I going why is this important you know, my sort of almost, you know, when you think about how um, David is painting people who survived the Holocaust, it's kind of like, you know, how, how fleeting life is, but also how precious life is, how uh, uh, short it is, how, um, you know, sometimes we, we feel like a blip, but also how impactful we can be. Um, I mean, that curiosity for me when doing uh, when connecting with people and learning about their, their backgrounds and history and sort of like doing that through portraiture, that's, that's for me is like the curiosity and I guess the spiritual part of it, because then it's like, I'm, I'm looking deeper into myself and deeper into like 
the meaning of life and, you know, getting into more of a heady space where it's kind of like, oh, this is this is this is more than just paint on on a canvas or paint on a wall. So, I mean, that's where I am now, I guess. I guess I think that kind of answers that question a little bit. I think I think that um, I really quick just I, I think that like other people maybe subscribe spirituality to works like for me, I'm, I'm kind of in it. You know what I mean? I know how it's created it's not magic for me, you know, in a way there is kind of an extra essence. I think that's involved when someone sees like a piece of artwork and they uh, bring their everything to the table and see it, you know, and, and maybe they ascribe kind of a spirituality to it in a collective kind of sense, you know, versus, I mean, I don't, again, for me, it's just experiences for me. Again, I, it's not, after that, I don't know what happens to a painting. If it leaves my studio, that's better because it won't get destroyed here or kicked or sit like behind another <laughs> stack of paintings, you know, and get dinged up and whatever. So it has a life after after the studio that I think people ascribe more to it, I think. Right. And it's your painting without the expectation of a result. You're yeah. painting yeah. Uh, yeah. for yourself Always. in a lot of ways. Always working without expectations. Totally. Yeah. Which I think is a, a beautiful way of really getting yourself out of the work. And it, you know, I, I keep coming back to this thing that you said about taking yourself out of the painting where you want just the subject matter and the, the viewer to be having that conversation. Um, I can't help but think of, you know, in a lot of uh, interviews I've done with artists, they look at all of their paintings in some way or another as kind of self portraits. Um, I, I I think it could be biographical. They're definitely biographical. But for me, it's it's um, that day I had food poisoning. You know, I felt to be inward on that painting, or I painted my mom, <laughs> which is super inward again because it's a relationship I had with her. But then now my my life has moved towards kind of understanding other people. You know what I mean, biographically. And so my bi my biography intersects with their biography in a way. And and in I'll, I paint my wife a lot. You know, I think she's beautiful and she's unique and i love that so i paint her and so that's kind of my biography mixing with hers you know so i think that that's um no we're definitely in everything we do unfortunately i mean but still there's a way that we can be slightly um i hate the word detached not detached from it more empathetic but not having um our ego involved i guess as we're creating for me i don't know you know and i think i think that's Beautiful and uh, and very well said. Um, what advice would you give somebody who's really trying to explore uh, portraiture on their own to kind of be able to get out of their own way in this? Thomas, it's you. Oh, okay, <laughs> I mean, I can I, I think you kind of mentioned like you know creating without expectations. I mean, creating without sort of like an end result that has to sell or be in a gallery or have success. It's like just painting the paint and creating to create because that's where you sort of find those happy little accidents like uh, Bob Ross used to say. You know, you're, you're going to find those little things that are your unique signatures that you sort of uh, leave with, you know, a painting and then you carry that to the next one and then the next one and then the next one and then all of a sudden it's kind of like, you have something where it's kind of like people know that's you, uh, regardless of you know whatever whatever you do. So I think painting 
are just creating without expectations and just being able to uh, flow freely is one of the best things I think a lot of artists can do. Because I think sometimes we're, especially nowadays, it's, it's very difficult because we do have, you know, the Instagram and, you know, we're so connected that, you know, we're almost too connected in a way because you want to sort of be validated in some sort of way or reason. So you sort of put these expectations on you or expectations are set upon you and you feel like you have to meet it. But I think sometimes when you sort of put that aside, you're able to figure out exactly, oh, this is what I really want to do and this is how I want to do it. And when you sort of go into that direction, you're sort of being able to create things that others aren't uh, able to create because, you know, they were sort of worrying about, you know, factors that they can't control. And then, you know, you're stumbling on these uh, little signatures and things that make you unique. You know, just, just have an open mind. That's the biggest thing. And just get outside of your comfort zone and get outside of your own way and just explore life. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the idea of I think of travel as like reading a book, you know what I mean? Except you experience it. Like we travel for teaching gigs all the time, Italy, Spain, Australia, South Africa. Um, and it's always enriched what it is that we do as creators. I think that my advice, I guess, really quickly would just be to um, not think about talent as a thing that's like bestowed of you, bestowed upon you when you're born. You know, I don't think that I think that some people have a clarity of vision that maybe a little bit that they come to things a little bit faster. Um, but I think that talent, I want to flip that word and turn it into love, because if you love doing something, you're going to be dedicated to it and you're going to want to do it more than anything else. And if you have that dedication and love for something, um, you're going to get better at it, you know, and so have patience and just um, have talent and love for what it is you're doing. Thank you both so very much for joining me today. Um, I am really fascinated with um, the way that you guys are bringing authenticity and love and trying to step outside of your own ego um, to capture the subject matters that you're, you guys are. I think those are wonderful uh, uh, ways of approaching your work. And thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Artbound podcast. For more information about the guests and what we've discussed, go to artistnetwork.com slash artbound. You can also find ways to connect with me and the Artbound team. We'd love to hear from you. If you've enjoyed the show, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Artbound is an artist network podcast and produced by Golden Peak Media. It's hosted by me, Doug Casina. Our producer is Daisha Clay with audio engineering and editing by Evan Rutherford. Director of podcasts is Jared Mayer. Executive producer for Artist Network is Scott Meyer. Trisha Waddell is the director of content. Sarah Van Patter handles all our marketing. And Vanessa Childers does all things digital. If you'd like more information on sponsoring or advertising on Artbound, go to goldenpeakmedia.com. I'm Doug Casina. Until next time.